The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 378. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. I've got another course coming out probably early next week, so you're going to want to want that. It's the last part, the last uh, part four of the series on Southern cultural and intellectual history, and it's an awesome class. There's a lot of good stuff in the 20th century, post-World War II 20th century, so you're going to pick that up. Plus, I've also got my Black Friday deals coming up. And they're going to be before Black Friday. So if you want, now I'm going to give those to my McClanahan Academy subscribers early. The rest of you will get them a little later. but And they won't be as good. So if you want the, the best Black Friday deals, hop on over to McClanahan Academy and roll for free. Get the free class and get the best deals on courses. And it does help support this podcast. You can also click on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Get your book plate there. If you want my autograph of one of my books, my newest book, Southern Scribblings, is out. It's a great book, 60 Essays and Defenses of Southern Tradition. you want to pick that one up as well. You can also click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Lots of great ways to support the show. Go to learntruehistory.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Another great way to support the show. All kinds of way to do it. Plus, share it around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcast, let me know what you want to hear, interact with me, I love this stuff, and I know that I haven't been podcasting as much as I want to, but of course I've had other things going on, and um, I will get back to it. Once January hits, though, I will tell you this right now, once January hits, I'll probably go back to two times a week at most, because of me returning back to my work not from home, but going back to the office. So that'll be happening in January. I won't be uh, working from home anymore, so I, I'll be a little more drive time and office time. So I won't have as much time to do this. But anyways, uh, for right now, I'm going to try to finish out the year pretty strong. I do take the week of Thanksgiving off and the last two weeks of December off. So I've got a few weeks here to wrap up some podcasts. But of course, the big topic, the one that everyone is talking about, is the election. And I mentioned on Monday and how I would vote. If I was in a town or I was in a state like Massachusetts, how I would vote. And I use that as an example because somebody just tweeted at me that I'm an idiot for saying vote third party because did you know, did you know that Trump only lost by one vote in two, in two areas, two precincts in Massachusetts, that if those third party people had just voted for Trump, he would have won those two precincts. Of course, Trump by, lost by like a million votes in Massachusetts. So yeah. Those two votes would have meant everything. If two people had just not voted third party, Trump would have gotten two more votes and he would have lost by 999,998 votes. I mean, geez. Well, what a, I am so stupid for advocating people vote third party in Massachusetts. Because dang it, 
Trump would have gotten a lot closer, two votes closer, if just those people hadn't done. Or maybe if those people hadn't voted for the Constitution Party right in, Joe Jurgensen, whoever it was in Massachusetts, Trump would have gotten maybe another 10,000 votes. Oh, my gosh. Because one thing I've mentioned about third party doesn't necessarily mean that those people would have voted for Trump or Biden. It might just meant they just wouldn't have voted for anybody. That's the other part of third party that, you know, is lost in all this. And I did say if you're in a close state and you think Trump is better, and I laid, laid out the case why I thought Trump was better than Biden, most importantly foreign policy, vote for Trump. If you're in... No, now, if you're in any of these club states, you should have done that. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to talk about this particular election from a historical standpoint today. Because as of right now, it looks like Joe Biden is going to win the election. It looks like it. Though not, I mean, look, there's still some things happening. We're still getting all these counts. We know, though, that a lot of this is suspicious. I'm not going to say there's fraud. I don't know. But there's a lot of suspicious things going on for the fact that the six states that are still going through counts... Those six states have had over 100% voter participation over registered, you know, you have your registered voters. There's 100% more, over 100% more votes in that particular area. So how's that happening? You know, if this is going on, how are we getting this right now? And of course, people say, well, it's easy to explain. We 80% voter participation is something. When these states have had like 60 and 70% for years, but now we're 80, 90%, I just don't see it. There's something going on here. And so what's going to happen, of course, is Trump is going to tie this up in court. We know it's going to happen. He's already starting to try. Now, some lawsuits are getting thrown out. Uh, But certainly the Trump team, the Trump legal team, is going to start trying to tie some of these things up, particularly in places like Michigan and Wisconsin, where, lo and behold, you had 100,000 votes all for Biden just show up. I mean, this showed up. Hey, here we go. Here's 135,000 votes. Oh, and Trump ends up losing by about 100,000 votes. So, I mean, hey, there you go. We know it's going to happen in Pennsylvania. Uh, Georgia looks like there's some fraud going on there, too. We don't know. I mean, there's irregularities, I should say. Maybe not fraud, but irregularities. Make you go, hmm, what's happening here? And I want to give this some historical perspective because people are freaking out about this like this is the only time we've ever seen this before. It's not. In fact, you have to go back not very far, and people would say, oh, yeah, 2,000. We had 2,000. It was Bush v. Gore, and the Supreme Court got involved, and Al Gore lost. Well, I mean, there was certainly some voting irregularity in Florida. And whether Al Gore got hosed or not is a matter of debate. Uh, The hanging chads. I mean, a lot of people who might listen to this podcast may not even have been alive at that particular time. Or maybe you were very young. You don't remember any of that. But you had people, you know, looking. I I think I can see where somebody might have pushed this, this dot in. And maybe it was for... Al Gore, or maybe it was for George W. Bush. But of course, the we had two sets, essentially, of election returns in Florida, and the courts got involved, and they gave those returns to Bush. Now, we could see this again, and I'm going to talk about that. But I want to go back to 1960, because that's really where we've seen all of this before. And if you don't know anything about the 1960 election, it's a very interesting election. 1960, of course, you had the Republicans nominate Richard Nixon, who had been Dwight Eisenhower's vice president, and of course, or the vice president in the Eisenhower administration. He wasn't necessarily Eisenhower's man. But Eisenhower was extremely popular. I mean, this is a guy that that slaughtered his opponent 
in two straight elections. Nobody was going to seriously think that Eisenhower was going to lose any election. And so Nixon was riding his coattails. Nixon had been a very popular governor of, uh, I'm sorry, very popular uh, vice president. And uh, people thought he was pretty much a shoe-in. Well, up comes John F. Kennedy. Now, the Kennedy family is very similar to the Biden family. In fact, Joe Biden for years styled himself as a Delaware version of, Robert, of a John F. Kennedy. And, I mean, that's the funniest thing about it. And I, and I wrote something in, a, in an email, and I talked about this in my podcast, the boat shoe conservatives, the boat shoe Democrats, the Kennedy clan, their boat shoe establishment people. So it was Joe Biden. These are people that get on their yachts with their boat shoes on, and they go to their country clubs, and you find it in Republicans and Democrats. I mean, they're all the same. They're all that kind of Northeastern boat shoe mentality. And I grew up around a lot of these people. And Joe Biden is certainly one of them. He likes to talk about, I'm from, I'm from a steel town in Pennsylvania. No, you're not. I mean, I've been born there. But that's not what you were. That's not what you were at all. You were a boat shoe, country club kind of individual that just you know got into politics, and that was that. And that's the way Joe Biden's always been. That's the way he's been since the time he's been in office, and he's been in office for almost all of his life. Right? I mean, the man is 76 years old. He's been in office since he was in his 20s. Almost all of his life, he's been in office. That's his job. It's been his job for his entire life. And I, I look, I was around Joe Biden or Joe Biden people a lot growing up because I lived in Delaware. So Joe Biden is extremely corrupt. He always has been, just like the Kennedy clan was. And look, John F. Kennedy was only put up to the, to the task of being the Kennedy to go for, for president because his brother, Joe Kennedy, was killed in World War II. And Joe Kennedy was going to be the guy. And then he dies blown up in an airplane. And so John F. Kennedy has to do it. And of course, Joe Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's father, was rigging everything, right? He rigged everything for Kennedy to get into the Congress. He rigged everything for Kennedy to become the nominee and the de- for the Democrat Party. And his running mate, Lyndon Johnson, was one of the most corrupt men to ever be president of the United States. If you read Robert Cairo's multi-volume biography of Lyndon Johnson, it is scathing in how bad he portrays uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson was the worst of the worst. And it's amazing how Lyndon Johnson is seen as this heroic figure now because of the uh, great society. Uh, I, of course, wrote about Lyndon Johnson in my book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. But 1960 rolls around. We've got, it's thought to be a shoe-in. You know, Richard Nixon was going to win the election. John F. Kennedy, this upstart. Now, they're both from the same World War II generation. In fact, Nixon wasn't very much older than, than Kennedy. But they go to the television debate, and the people that watch the debate look at Kennedy. He's called the bronzed warrior. He's riding around with the top down. He looks good. He's tanned. And they think, ooh, this slick-looking guy wins the debate. Nixon refused to have any makeup. He looked like he was a ghost sweaty. He just looked terrible. Now, people that listened to the debates actually said Nixon won the debate, but they watched it. It was Kennedy. So fast forward to 2020. Here we are, 60 years later, and uh, we've got a television debate, the first television debate between Trump and Biden. And was Biden cheating at that? There was all these people thinking he was. Maybe he had like a little uh, microphone in his ear. Something's going on there. He just seemed too polished. 
But Trump came out in a way that made him look awful. And I will say this to this day. If it wasn't for two things, COVID and Trump's performance on that first debate, Trump wins in a landslide. Uh, In fact, I would say the debate had a lot to do to swing some of these very close states for Biden in some ways. You had, I mean, you had anecdotal material out there that this guy would have voted for Trump, but he just came across as too brash. And and maybe they watched the first debate and he was he was just, I mean, out of control in that first debate. If Trump had performed like he did in the third debate, which was actually the second debate in the first debate, he wins. He, I mean, people don't walk away from that thinking that Trump is not the guy for the job. Biden would have hung himself, which he did in the third debate. And that would have been that. So, uh, but we, so we've got that part of it, which I think is very similar to 1960. Then we get this very close election. In fact, it's the closest election in American history, other than uh, I think there was um, one of the elections in the late 19th century that was closer in the late uh, in the late uh, late 19th century I believe uh, it was the 1880 election that might have been closer I'd have to go back and look at that I can't remember off the top of my head but you have a very close election and there are whispers of voter fraud whispers of voter fraud and Kennedy is the winner because of voter fraud it's thought particularly in two states Chicago and Texas. And you look at those two states and you think, well, what's going on in Chicago? Well, that's Mayor Daley and the Chicago political machine where there is known, this is Cook County, there's known voter fraud that happens in Chicago. Dead people vote. This is the old joke. Dead people vote in Chicago. Well, yeah, they do. And it turns out that Kennedy's margin of victory in that city was like 450,000 votes, something like that. And so it's thought that Nixon actually won Illinois. In fact, he, he carried this the whole time. Yeah, I won Illinois. I won the election. If, he, if Nixon wins Illinois, he wins the election, you see, along with Texas. And what's so interesting about Texas? Well, you've got landslide Lyndon Johnson on the ticket. And lo and behold, a very close election in Texas. The Democrats carry Texas. Now, why is Lyndon Johnson known as landslide Lyndon? Well, because he won his 1948 Senate contest by 87 votes. And it was through voter fraud, well known through voter fraud, that it happened. So you've got a guy that's known for voter fraud. And lo and behold, Texas goes for Kennedy Johnson in 1960. And Nixon loses. Nixon refuses, at least publicly, to contest the election, though behind the scenes he did have lawyers go in and investigate all this stuff. And of course, Eisenhower was interested in just saying, all right, you lost, get out of the way. This is a, this is a, a bit of advice for the Trump campaign. Don't, don't publicly concede anything here. I think that what's going to happen is that Trump is going to contest this into December when the Electoral College meets. And that's what he should be doing at this point because there are so many irregularities in all of this. Now, it all could turn out to be a, a big deal about nothing, and Biden might have uh, you know, uh, honestly won this election. But I don't think anybody's ever going to leave this thinking that that's actually the case. I don't even think the Biden people are going to leave it thinking that they won this thing fair and square. I don't think they are. We know there's too much voter fraud. We know the mail-in ballot system has opened the door for all of that, which is why you shouldn't have any of that unless you have certified ballots. I mean, look, you should have, if you, when you go to vote, 
You should be. You should have to show who you are. And if you're going to do a mail-in ballot, an absentee ballot, you should have to go to a notary or something and say, look, this is who I am, or sign it in front of somebody, verifying it in some way. This is what I'm doing. So at least there is some track, some accountability. I mean, you can get around these things. We know that. If people want to cheat, they're going to cheat. But regardless, uh, 1960 is a nice example for what can happen with voter fraud. Now, there are also some parallels here. You know, Trump's the incumbent. He wasn't ever very popular. He wasn't like uh, you know Dwight Eisenhower. Maybe not even as popular as Richard Nixon. But we know the people coming in. You've got a guy that styles himself after John F. Kennedy. And Kennedy presented himself as a centrist. He's a centrist. You know, he's a cold warrior. He doesn't believe in high taxes. He's just going to tax certain people. I mean, this is what Biden is actually campaigning on. This is what he's doing. He's trying to be a, a 2020 version of John F. Kennedy. But, of course, Biden already is suffering from dementia and other things. You don't even know where he is half the time. And the, the interesting thing, though, is the running mate. You see, one thing I will say about this election, where I think there's going to be some parallels, Joe Biden will be the oldest man ever to be in the office if he assumes the presidency. And I'm not so certain he makes it four years. I mean, look, anything can happen. He's already on borrowed time if he's over 76 years old. That's the average age of somebody in America. You're already on bar- borrowed time, right? The selection of Kamala Harris is interesting. Because she's a lot like Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson was a cold-hearted, power-hungry individual. He wanted power. And he got it. And Kamala Harris's career is the exact same thing in California. There's all the rumors about how she actually assumed power in California, how she got certain jobs and what was happening there. All of that. Same thing with Lyndon Johnson. Kamala Harris just wants to be in power. And that's why she's so very dangerous. She's more dangerous than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a bumbling fool 99% of the time. He's always been that way. And Joe Biden, in many ways, is going to be relatively harmless. He would be harmless, no more harmful than someone like George W. Bush. And I I know George W. Bush was harmful. But what I'm saying here is we tolerated that for eight years. Everything got bad. Look, Donald Trump has been harmful in some ways, too. There's no doubt about that. So... He's going to be establishment. He's going to do what the establishment... Now, one thing I will say where he could be harmful, and this is where you get to Lyndon Johnson. The Biden foreign policy is going to get us involved in a war in the next four years. I am almost certain of it. And this is where Kamala Harris is going to be a disaster. Because if Biden dies in office, Harris is so stupid when it comes to foreign policy, she'll do whatever anybody tells her to do. I mean, she she is an idiot. She's an idiot in the Senate. She's going to be an idiot vice president if she, if she assumes the vice presidency. She's a moron. There's not much up there. And it was, it, it was shown in the debates. I mean, she, she really knows very little about anything important when it comes to the executive office, other than its power. And she's going to wield that power in any way she can, doing whatever she needs to do. And you listen, when she was busted on at 60 Minutes, it was one of the most funny things, the funniest things I've ever seen. Her, the expression on her face, it's almost like, what, are you really asking me a hard question? And her response was ridiculously stupid. But that's what she is. She's ridiculously stupid. So Joe Biden is, look, and if the Republicans retain control of the Senate, not much is going to happen for two years. Now, if Biden dies in office 
because he's old. I'm not saying anything's going to happen to the guy. I hope nothing does happen to the guy. But if he dies in office, then we're going to see President Harris like we saw President Johnson. And what happened with President Johnson? Well, we got the Kennedy agenda on steroids. And what I mean by that is he moved so far left, and that's exactly what Kamala Harris would do. And we also got involved in Vietnam in a way that Kennedy, of course, Kennedy was getting us in that. So was Eisenhower, but we were getting in there. But Johnson, again, sped up the process. And so would Kamala Harris, because, again, she's so stupid. This is what we would get. So I think that if Biden wins, we're going to see a war in the Middle East, probably, or in Asia in the next four years. It's going to happen. And they're going to do it to kind of rally people around this this, uh, fake nationalism uh, and you know we got to rally around the flag, and of course a lot of the neocons. Well, oh, we got to support Joe Biden. No, we don't. We don't really have to do that. You don't have to do that at all. That was the one advantage for the Trump administration uh, is that you know this is a guy that's blasting NATO, that's settling all these things in the Middle East that no one. Biden, uh, uh, Kerry, John Kerry, uh, uh, Barack Obama. You can't do these things. There's no way to get peace in the Middle East. It isn't going to happen. Well, Trump's knocking off peace deal after peace deal in the Middle East. I mean, it's amazing. Trump was actually criticized for for talking with North Korea. Well, is that not a good... I mean, isn't part of diplomacy talking with people? I mean, look, Reagan wanted to talk with Gorbachev. Nobody thought that anyone should talk to the Soviet Union. Reagan did. And look what happened. You had the end of the Cold War. I mean, this is just what you want to do. But Biden is the traditional neocon, Wilsonian, progressive. And we're not going to talk to anybody. We're going to play, you know, well, of course, we're going to give them money like in Iran. We're going to cuddle up to China. We're going to do these things. And so this is really going to be the problem, I think, in the long run with Biden. It's going to be foreign policy. Um, So we've uh, we've got a 1960 analogy, which I think works better than any other. Now, let me say this about the, the other part of the election, which I wanted to just briefly touch on. We've had other elections where, of course, the popular vote went for one candidate and, it, and that candidate didn't win. And I go back to 1876 because I think that's really where we are in America right now. America, if you look at the polls and you look at in issues, the left is, is, is advocating for things that are so stupid. I mean, their one number one issue is climate change. Give me a break. Some of the things that they think are just so important are some of the dumbest stuff you'd ever see. Foreign policy? No, no, way down the list. And the right, if for their own part, is, you know, we got to worry about terrorism. Hey, you want to know how you, you solve that problem? You start getting peace in the Middle East, and then things work out. But the fact is, we've got a, a really divided electorate now that's close. To, I mean, it's like 50 plus 1%. That's what we've got, 50 plus 1%. If Biden wins, he's going to get just barely over 50% of the vote. That means there's no mandate here. There's no mandate for any of these left-wing things that Biden's going to do. Nothing. Nothing. There's no mandate. Uh, And so I'm not so certain all these things are going to happen. But one thing that could happen that would be interesting is if two sets of electors show up for the Electoral College, then it has to go to the courts. And I think that the Republicans would be smart to try to do this. Send your electors from Michigan, Wisconsin, if, if uh, Arizona, if, uh, if Biden supposedly wins Arizona, but there's some questions there, or same thing with Georgia or North Carolina or, Phil- or Pennsylvania. You've got about six states. The Republican Party should say, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to send our electors anyways, and they're going to cast their vote for Trump, and then we're going to let the Supreme Court hash this out. 
or we're going to let something hash this, some other or a court hash this out. Because what we got in 1876, of course, was what C. Van Woodward called the Compromise of 1876. It was a, a political compromise. But I think that you know something. Uh, if, if there really is some irregularities and they can't figure this out, I mean, why are they boarding up windows in Detroit so you can't see what's happening there? I mean, this is, this is odd stuff. If there really is nothing, if everything's above the board, well, why are they doing all these things? Because we know it's not all above the board. We know that there are uh, you know, people that are certainly invested. There were vote counters in not having Donald Trump win in these, in these cities that really hate the man. And there was a video I saw of a, of a guy that's having a fit. I guess it's because he saw some vote he didn't like. He crumples it up and throws it down and gives it the finger. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're getting. So, look, we know there's whistleblowers out there saying there's a tremendous amount of fraud going on, a tremendous amount of power being played in these things. This is why all the mail-in voting just needs to stop. It doesn't need to happen. You just need to go vote. I mean, people were fine voting in person. just needed to happen. We needed to get rid of all this stuff. But I think 1960 is the best analogy for this particular election. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I, and part of me would love to see a 269-269 situation. We haven't had that since 1800, um, you know, where you had, um, or actually, I should say we haven't had it since uh, 1828, uh, where we had the Congress decide the election. I mean, it'd be great to have that happen again. It'd be interesting. As a historian, it'd be interesting to have that happen. We know if the Congress had to decide the election, the House... Well, we know that Trump would win because the Republicans control more states than the Democrats. I think the Democrats are really down after this election. They thought Biden was going to win with 400 electoral college votes. Trump was going to get like three, right? He was going to, he was going to win Alabama. He was going to get nine. He was going to win Alabama, and that was it. <laughs> that was all Trump was going to win. Maybe Alabama, maybe Iowa. Maybe you get like 100, you know, something like that. They were going to win so far. I mean, it was going to be a slaughter. And they were going to win every seat that's up for the Senate. And they were going to win. They were going to get, you know, out of 435 members of the House, they were going to have 434 of them after this election. They were going to win. And they were going to take back every governorship in America. This was going to happen. Of course, none of that happened. Their blue wave was nothing. Even Rachel Maddow now has to admit we didn't even have a ripple. There was nothing. Why? Because people don't like the stupid leftist agenda. They hate it. Most people in America, I think, if again, if it wasn't for COVID and Trump's performance, Biden loses in a landslide in 2020. All right. That's my position on the election. It's going to be interesting times. There's historical precedent for all these things. We'll just have to wait and see what happens um, and uh, see if Biden actually does win or what the Trump campaign does to contest it. I know they're going to. Uh, and I think that if there are some, some irregularities, they should. They should go out and look at these things, and maybe nothing comes out of it. Maybe it's all above the board again. Maybe everything's kosher. I don't know. Uh, but it's there's a lot too, too many suspicious things to make this seem that there's nothing going on here. Okay. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time. See you then.